Welcome to CEO and Founder Magic, the podcast for entrepreneurs with stories to tell about your success. I'm Sheila Clefcorn, professional fractional CMO for B2B companies and host of the podcast. I'm deeply committed to transforming the world through technology, one company at a time. So stick with me until the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be our next guest with just 15 to 20 minutes of your time. I'm glad you're here. Hi, and welcome back to the CEO and Founder Magic podcast. I am super excited today to have Jonathan Kaiser, a colleague of mine here in Phoenix. He is the founder and thought leader of Kaiser. Uh, This is an amazing firm that's gotten a lot of awards. He's just finished a book not too long ago, or maybe it's a little bit longer ago now that I think about it. Um, but they are doing incredible things in the commercial real estate space. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you for inviting me, Sheila. It's an honor to be on. Yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you. Um, so let's let's get into it. How did you come to found Kaiser? Sure. So I have a unique background that not a lot of other people had. I was actually raised a Christian missionary kid in Papua New Guinea, and my parents taught me to love and serve and give and help. And When we got back from overseas, I realized kind of in an epiphany moment that we were poor and I didn't like being poor, Sheila. I did not like (laughs) it at all. So I decided I wanted to get rich and a buddy of mine said I could get rich doing commercial real estate. So I got into commercial real estate. But as I got in, I realized pretty quickly, wow, this is a cutthroat, take no prisoners, dog eat dog world. So I became that way because, again, I figured my parents taught me to love and serve. That led to the poorhouse. These guys are doing, you know, this other behavior and they're rich. So I want to be like them, but I was miserable. You know, I felt like I was misaligned with my core values. Um, I felt like a snake oil salesman half the time, but I felt trapped because I didn't know a different way. And that to me was the only model for success that I had seen. And then 20 years ago, I went to a conference and a speaker started talking about a new way of doing business of succeeding by helping others succeed and it moved and inspired me and so I decided to reinvent myself which was a long hard road in and of itself um, and do it all around this idea of succeeding by helping others succeed and so today we've built one of the largest independent firms of our kind in the country USA Today named us the industry disruptor my book hit number one of the Wall Street journalists all these crazy accolades where really what we're doing is fundamentally showing that even in arguably one of the most cutthroat predatorial industries in the world, you could truly create extraordinary success just by coming from a culture of selfless service and of helping other people. So that's what we do. And uh, it, it, it's been it's been quite the ride, might I tell you that. <laughs> well, I, I love it. And, and, you know, your optimism and your commitment to serve is so powerful. I see it whenever I see you anywhere. Uh, and you've built this really great culture. So you had to reinvent yourself, but you also had to reinvent the culture of your company. So tell us a little bit about that culture and what it sort of how you've done that. Sure. I know that you could go on and on, but yeah, yeah, I mean that's obviously a very there, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity for um, rabbit trail discussions on that. But I think at the end of the day, you got to hire people that are aligned with it philosophically. I did. In my early days, I've learned a lot since I started the firm. You know, it's almost 10 years old. Uh, I used to think I could rehabilitate people. 
Um, and the reality is you're either wired this way or you're not. And so for me, the success has been creating a very clear culture. We have 15 cooperating principles that we do everything by. Um, and we're serious about it, right? And so, you know, the hardest part as a leader, as you know, Sheila, is a fish rots from the head. So if you're not living it, right, I can say all the greatest things I want, but if I'm not living it, nobody else in the organization is going to do it. So that's that ultimate accountability is, is creating a culture of service starts with you as a leader deciding that you are willing to do what it takes. And it's the long game, right? It's not the instant gratification. It's, it's truly believing. And I believe this to my core that you can't outgive the universe, that no matter how much good you put out there, it comes back somewhere. And we're, we're proof of that, but it's not a instant quid pro quo kind of relationship. It's you're paying it forward and it comes back. And so we're a referral only company. Um, we're gonna have a record year this year, but everything is about how do we help people? How do we go above and beyond? I think so many people in real estate or any other industry, they're focused on the sale, right? They're focused on, on, on the, on the upside for them. But I believe that if you focus on just truly loving and serving people, which for a real estate guy to say love and serve, it's just people still shake their heads like that guy's, that guy's odd, you know? But I think that's really what it is. It's like, what if you knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have your back and I'm gonna help you in every way that I possibly can, that's a sticky relationship. So I also think it's just rational. Like this is just rational stuff. It's not tied to any morality. Yeah, that's who, want, who people want to do business with. If you're looking out for my company's needs, then I'm, of course I'm going to come back to you. Which is weird if you think about it, because we all know this to be true, Sheila, right? We do it in our homes. We do it in our social circles. We do it where it matters the most with our kids. And then we get into business and somehow we forget all that. And we think we got to go like, fight, 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 and win, win, win. I just don't buy it. And so what we're trying to do is be, you know, kind of a beacon of hope for others to say, hey, if those crazy people in commercial real estate could do it, maybe we could do it in our respective industry. Absolutely. And you are an incredible role model for that, which is, is so powerful. So let's switch gears a little bit. Talk to me about what's happening in commercial re real estate, you know, uh, coming out of COVID, if we're actually coming out of COVID, what does what does it look like in commercial real estate? Yeah, no, we've had a fundamental shift. Like this is one of those generational shifts that's it, that we're in the middle of right now, how it relates to space and occupancy. And, you know, part of why we're so busy is we're helping so many organizations figure out how they want to operate going forward, right? There's this dynamic between remote work, hybrid work, and, you know, everybody in the office and everybody has a different opinion and every culture is different. So for some organizations, we're helping them figure out how a good remote first slash hybrid environment works for them. For others, they're saying, you know, for our business, we really need people in the office. So how do you create a, how do you create a space where it's enticing for people, where you're not just forcing people to come back, but you're incentivizing them and you're mm -hmm. thinking about the things that matter to them, such mm -hmm. as childcare, right? Now people mm -hmm. are doing childcare and working remote. So how do you accommodate for that lunch? You know, if, they, if you don't have to think about lunch, that always helps. So there's all this kind of redesign thinking happening. But I think at a broader level, that what we're, what we're advising clients on is thinking from a cultural standpoint, what do you want to be? You know, when you're on when you're on this big of a shift, how do you want to create? If you have the opportunity to create from scratch how you operate and how you function. What do you want that to intentionally be? So it's a lot higher than just what space that we like or how much do we need. And it's much more about how are we going to operate as an organization and how does this fit into our cultural objectives? If you look across the, 
you know, office space, we're, we're predicting a downturn. There's record amounts of sublease space. More and more companies keep putting space in the market. The demand has shrunk for amount of space. There is definitely softening coming and you see it, the early indicators of it now. It would have been a lot sooner, but the, you know, the, the unprecedented um, Fed intervention really kicked a lot of these cans down the road, but it's happening now. If you look on the warehouse side or the industrial side, it's the hottest it's ever been. And you think about, you know, we, we're a global firm, right? We have 570 people worldwide. If you think about our, including our global partners, um, this is not a Arizona-centric discussion. But one of the things that we do have in Arizona, as well as other Sunbelt states, is we have a very attractive model that uh, companies and people from other markets, uh, some of the bigger cities that may have had a long commute or are tired of the you know, tired of the, the restrictions or shutdowns or whatever. We've had a lot of influx to Arizona. And so a lot of that has helped offset some of the otherwise softening that we would see. But at the end of the day, industrial, you can't find it. There's, we're the second largest, you know, Dallas and then Phoenix for the number of construction, uh, square footage of warehouse under construction. Retail is kind of a unique animal where sort of the haves and the have nots, the nice retail centers are doing great. The older ones are being repositioned or bringing in sort of unique kind of uh, uses like trampoline parks or whatever to help <laughs> offset some of these big boxes that have gone under. And then healthcare space, you know, medical space, it, it is it has continued to be strong. So really across two of the four sectors. Oh, and then multifamily is the fifth sector. I mean, multifamily is just is just booming. So we spend most of our time in the office, industrial and healthcare sector um, doing some retail and you know, people that predicted the demise of office, I don't think that's the case. I think there is there is a return to office that is happening, albeit you know, in stops and starts. Just watch what's happening with Apple. Um, and they're you know one of the most sought after companies to work for. So if they're having challenges, imagine a company that doesn't have the clout of Apple trying to get. So it's going to be stop and starts. But at the end of the day, what people are realizing is that as CEOs, if you don't have people together in some fashion, whether that's two to three days a week, collaborating, working together you really are developing these transactional relationships with your people, which then make it very easy for them to jump or bounce to somewhere else. And so from our perspective, it's figuring out from a culture standpoint, what you want to operate like, and then making sure that you identify and secure the space. You know, that's what we do, right? We're the largest independent tenant rep firm helping companies make the decisions. Um, and so that's what we're spending our time doing. And it's a interesting landscape because everybody's got a different idea and everybody's got a different you know philosophy and some people think that you know we're going to be roaring back to 2020 and other people think that nobody's ever going to come to the office again and so it's, it's and the reality is somewhere in the middle somewhere like everything else the truth is in the middle and there will be softening but you're, you you still will have offices and in fact we have a lot of companies where we're, we're getting extra office space for them because they, they are investing in it and they believe it's going to be a competitive advantage and that other organizations are cutting too, too tight and they're going to lose people when they don't have the, the facilities to accommodate them. So, you know, is that, what, is that what you would recommend to our CEOs who are listening uh, to this podcast is that they really uh, tie their decisions about space to their culture and what they want to do moving forward? Yeah, I think otherwise it's 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 a bottom up cluster because you have everybody's got a different opinion. You're trying, you know, you can't please everybody. When people are sitting in their home in their PJs, you know, watching their kid, they're much less likely to be 
you know, amenable to some sort of change because they're comfortable now, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best thing for the organization. But it also means that in today's world, I don't know how you don't offer flexibility, otherwise you're gonna lose some of your key people. So it is a very fine balance. And what we do is we just go in and consult and help them figure out what they could do and what they should do, and then help them make sure that the real estate solution aligns with that. I will say that if I'm being predictive, which you know I'm not, but if I were, uh, I would say that hybrid is the way of the future and that most organizations are going to settle in somewhere between two to three days a week in the office and the rest remote with flexibility, with enhanced offices to account for you know, greater collaboration, greater amenities, even things like technology, right? Like, mm-hmm. like if you build an office where you put better technology that makes the, the, your people's work easier or faster or better, that they can't replicate at home inexpensively, you know, that now you have That's another just... driving reason for people to want to come in. But, you know, you can't be too heavy handed or you're going to have revolts on your hands because right. the reality is, is it's still, a, you know, it's still a employee driven uh, leverage market, not the employers. So, <laughs> you know, at, at the end of the day, you have to think carefully about how do you want to create a culture and how do you do it so that you still have you kind of get the best of both worlds. You still have the space that people can utilize to accommodate their needs, but they still have the flexibility so they don't feel like they're chained to a desk, you know, 50, mm-hmm. 60, 70 hours a week, like so many people became accustomed to. I just don't know how we ever get back to that after people have realized and tasted the freedom of working remote, working in your PJs, not having to clock in, not having to commute, being able to answer the door and, 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 and grab the Amazon package, being able to let the dishwasher guy in, like those are things that have really become embedded in mm-hmm. in the corporate culture. So, you know, any any attempt to coerce people to come in full time, I don't think is going to be met well. But I do think that it settles out where if companies aren't investing in ensuring that their people are together for some portion of the week. So, so for offices, it's like you may not even reduce your square footage because you may still need the same amount of office space. It's just instead of people being in those seats five days a week, now they're in those seats two to three days a week. So half the time the space looks empty, but you got to build it for peak occupancy. So you really didn't get that much square footage reduction, but you have people that are now more flexible in how they can work. I think that's where ultimately most organizations settle, but there are some that are, no matter what, they're mandating people come back and they're losing people in droves. And then you have others that, you know, are saying, hey, we're, we like being remote and we're going to be remote forever. So everyone. And I, and I think employees are kind of having those same discussions about, do I really want to be home all the time (laughs) with my kids and everything? And I, I need some, some flexibility, but I think your feedback is tremendous. Um, You know, we've loved having you on the podcast and your firm is so great at being consultants for helping CEOs and leadership teams figure this out. How could somebody get in touch with you if they had more questions? Sure. Uh, easiest thing is just email me. I made my email address as short as I could. JK at Kaiser.com, K-E-Y-S-E-R. I guess that's the way you do it, right? If it's your firm, you can make your <laughs> you can pick your email addresses. So I did this, the shortest one I could. So JK at Kaiser, K-E-Y-S-E-R. And it doesn't have to have a deal attached to it. We're happy to help anyone that has a question or, or just wants to bounce some things off. And we do have some pretty cool resources of uh, what some of the kind of trends we're seeing. So if anybody wants that, just email me and say resources and I'll send it over to you. 
That's awesome. And your book is great. What's the title of the book? You don't have to be ruthless to win. Uh, it, it, I packed everything that I learned about how to create a culture of selfless service into that book. It's for those who have not written a book, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, I'm so glad that it's on the shelf and not in my uh, review inbox constantly anymore. Um, and uh, the fact that it hit number one was also a, a huge, uh, a huge, I did not expect to be number one Wall Street Journal bestseller, but that that, that's kind of cool where it, where it adds some credibility to the message, I think. So I think that's good too. Well, and it's got, you know, I've read it and it's got really good content. Um, and this is a key part of anybody's, any business's uh, decision-making. So just all the resources that you provide, all that your team does to give, it's really powerful. It's been great having you on the show and uh, look forward to many people talking to you about how great Kaiser is and, and how to navigate this incredibly difficult, challenging, huge opportunity time in our businesses. So thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you for listening to CEO and Founder Magic the podcast for entrepreneurs with stories to tell about your success. If you felt like this podcast interview captured your story, would you share it on social media? It's easy. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on your social account. Be sure to use hashtag CEO founder magic and tag anyone you think would be a great guest. I love to see your posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to be sure you don't miss any episodes, please subscribe and we'll be excited to have you listen. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. And if you know of other business to business company CEOs who have compelling stories and who might like to be on this program as well, please visit keo.bz slash book today. That's keo.bz slash book today. And if you want to know more about our fractional CMO program, just go to our website, do a, a search on services for fractional CMO, or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at KEO Marketing. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. I'm Sheila Clefcorn, and it's been a pleasure having you on CEO and Founder Magic.